Uh, good morning, everybody. Thank you, as always, for joining me for this worship service from First Baptist Church. This first Sunday in June, I'm beginning a new series of messages. All month, we're going to talk about discipleship. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? And today I want to talk about real discipleship because there's a lot of confusion about what it really means to be a Christian, to be saved, to follow Jesus. In fact, we all know that Jesus in the Gospels is recorded as having invited people to follow him. And when he would do it, he would say some pretty clear and powerful things. In fact, in Matthew 16, Jesus said, if anyone wishes to follow me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus also, when inviting people to follow him in Matthew 10, verse 38, said this, He who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. And Luke's gospel, chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus is recorded as having said this, if anyone comes to me, now listen to this, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. I mean, you talk about a, a strong statement. One of the other Gospels records Jesus saying the same thing in a little different way. He said, if you love your father, mother, brother, sister, so on more than me. Jesus is using hyperbole. And, and what he's saying is you have to love him more than your wife, your children, your parents, your siblings. You have to love him even more than you love your own life if you're going to be his disciple, if you're going to follow him. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, when talking about following him, Jesus said this, seek first his kingdom. Seek first, first in time and, and priority above everything else. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then in Luke's gospel, again in chapter 14, verse 33, Jesus said, none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. If you're not willing to surrender everything that is part of your life, everything you own, everything you have in the bank, everything you earn, you have to surrender all of it to Jesus to be his disciple. Now, we don't normally talk like that, do we? And yet Jesus, when inviting people to follow him, inviting people to be his disciple, these are the kind of things he said. In fact, he used the word follow me or my disciple or disciples over and over in the Gospels. Seventy-two times in Matthew, Jesus used the word disciple or some form of that word. Forty-six times in the Gospel of Mark, the word disciple appears. Thirty-seven times in the Gospel of Luke. Seventy-eight times in John's Gospel and twenty-eight times in the book of Acts. And so when you read the Gospels and you read the book of Acts, which is the history of the early church and God's work, the word disciple or disciples occurs time and time and time again. Jesus said, follow me, be my disciple, and yet we don't talk about it. So I want to look at what, what the Bible teaches about be, being a disciple of Jesus, about true discipleship all this month and today in this message titled Real Discipleship. Because here's what you need to understand. Being a disciple, being a follower of Jesus Christ is about much more than simply getting saved and going to church. 
Haddon Robinson, who died about four years ago, was a very well-liked and respected preacher and professor of preaching. He was a Christian author. And, and years ago, he took, a, he took a group to Turkey on tour, and, and, and they were visiting the locations, the cities, where, where all the churches that, are, that, that Paul started that are mentioned in the book of Acts uh, were located, cities like Ephesus and other places in modern Turkey. At that time, it was in Asia. And their local guy was a, was a Muslim who had been to the U.S. many times and spoke a very fluent English. And one evening during dinner, Haddon Robinson, this Christian professor and this Muslim guide, got into a very deep conversation about Christianity. This Muslim began asking questions. And, uh, and, and, and their conversation continued for hours late into the night. And near the end of the conversation... Haddon Robinson looked at this Muslim guy and said, if you're a follower of Islam and if you died tonight, would you be sure you could stand in the presence of Allah? And this Muslim guy said, no. There are five things that Muslims should do and I've only done two out of the five. And so they spent more time talking and, and near the end of their conversation, Robinson looked at this Muslim and said, look, you're serious about this conversation. I know that. And it would not be faithful, it would not be faithful of me not to ask you right now if you'd like to put your trust and confidence in Jesus Christ. And the Muslim looked at him and said, you don't know what you're asking me. Do you know what, it would, what would happen if I did that? If I announced to anyone that, that I was a follower of Christ, my wife would leave me, my family would disown me, my boss would fire me. I'd give up everything and I would starve to death in my own culture. You see, the experience of that Muslim guide is in stark contrast to those of us who live here in America. But it does very clearly for us illustrate and remind us of what being a disciple of Jesus really is. It's about so much more than getting saved. It is about more than fire insurance, making sure I don't go to heaven. It's about more than obtaining a ticket to heaven so that when I die, I know where I'm going. That's all important. But it's about much more than that. It's about more than going to church, about more than being a good person, living a good life. Discipleship, listen brothers and sisters, being a disciple of Jesus, being a follower of Jesus is about more than all of those things. Let me, let me, before I tell you what discipleship is, let me share with you some things that discipleship is not. Discipleship is not what we sometimes refer to as consumer Christianity. You know the approach to faith that says what am I getting out of it? Is it meeting my needs? Is the church meeting my need? Is religion meeting my need? It's, 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 it's more than, than what I like. It's not just about what I want and I prefer and I enjoy. That's consumer Christianity. And so we church shop. We church shop. We preacher shop. We experience shop. What am I getting out of it? Who's meeting my needs? Who's doing it the way I like? Just go where I have the best experience. See, consumer Christianity is treating Jesus Christ and to some degree treating the church like they exist for me. They exist to serve me. They exist to give me what I want. They exist to give me what I need. That's consumer Christianity. And that is not being a follower of Christ. That is not Christian discipleship. 
I'll tell you something else that discipleship is not. It is not partisan politics. It's not being a liberal Christian or a conservative Christian. It's not being a Democrat Christian or Republican Christian. It's not about saving America. As important as it is for us to be a good influence and to help our country and be good citizens, discipleship, following Jesus, is not about partisan politics and saving America. Let me also point out to us that being a disciple of Christ, that discipleship is not simply about being happy and successful. We often hear people talk about the prosperity gospel, all those people who write books and preach on TV who talk about how God wants to bless you and give you that new job and increase your bank account and make everything rosy in your life if you simply have enough faith and do it the way they say do it. The prosperity gospel, This we've we, we bought into the consumer idea in America that Jesus and the faith and the scripture and the church is all about giving me a life that is happy, a life that is successful, more money in the bank, having a healthy body, having a thriving and happy family, boundless, unlimited uh, happiness. And, and, and listen, we all need hope. I know that. We all need hope. We, we all want to be happy in life, and we all want to provide for our family. But, but listen, following Jesus is not simply a, another way for us to achieve the American dream. Jesus, does he bless us? Yes. Does he make our life better? Absolutely. Does he give us joy and peace and contentment? You better believe it. Does he free us from bondage to soul? Many things, yes. But being a follower of Jesus... Being a disciple of Jesus Christ is not simply and it is not primarily about a better path or a different path to having the American dream. Being a disciple is not something we do in order to guarantee success in life. Being a disciple of Jesus is about is not about having no problems and never getting sick and always winning. That is American consumerism that is that is simply baptized with religion, but it's not being a disciple. Does he bless us? Yes. Does he help us? Yes. But being a disciple is so much more than that. And when we don't understand what discipleship really is, when we, when we commit ourselves to what discipleship is not, this, this American version, if you will, this wealthy version of what it means to be a disciple, what happens is that quite often it creates disillusionment when things don't go your way. When things don't turn out the way you've been promised, if you simply had enough faith and followed Jesus. I remember a man, I won't mention his name, accepted Christ some years ago. I baptized him. He started growing, became very active in the church, very involved, was serving in ministry, did that for a number of years. And I remember when his father passed away, I could sense that there was growing in him some anger. A few years later, his mother died, and he became bitter gave up on God, gave up on the church, and today he's a miserable person. Doesn't know how to smile, doesn't know how to laugh, doesn't have happiness because he bought into the lie that if you live for Jesus, if you followed Jesus, if you did what was right, if you lived righteously, those things wouldn't happen to you. He didn't understand what it meant to be a disciple of Christ, and because of that today, he is disillusioned. I don't have time to talk about suffering. That's a sermon for another day. But brothers and sisters, hear me. It's important that we understand what discipleship and following Jesus is not and that we understand what discipleship 
and following Jesus really is. Here at First Baptist Church, we define discipleship this way, and we're not the only church that does that. Our simple definition of, of discipleship, and we have a graphic that you'll see here on the screen that, that illustrates this, is that a disciple is someone who is following Jesus Christ. Secondly, a disciple is someone who is being transformed or changed by Jesus Christ. And then third, a disciple is someone who is on mission with Jesus. Following Jesus being changed or transformed by the presence of Jesus and his own mission every day of life with Jesus. The Apostle Paul, who wrote many of the letters in our New Testament, the Apostle Paul said it this way in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. Listen to that. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you have to take up your cross and deny yourself every day. Paul said it this way, I have been crucified with Christ. I have died in Christ and it is no longer I who live. Listen, even while he was a living, he said, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, this, this life that you see me living every day, the Apostle Paul said, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. He's saying that, that when I became a follower of Christ, I died to myself. And my life now is Jesus. I live for him. He is my life. And when you see me in the flesh, yes, you see the Apostle Paul, but you are seeing Jesus Christ because the life I live is his life, not my own. And so I want to use a story from Paul's life to help us understand what it means to be a disciple, a real disciple, to take up our cross and follow Jesus, to seek his kingdom first. You see, Paul was not always a a follower of Jesus, but he had a very dramatic conversion to Jesus Christ and became a follower of Christ, became a disciple. And he was transformed because before following Jesus, he was a persecutor of Christians. But after he became a follower of Jesus, he became a preacher of the gospel and building up other believers. And he spent the rest of his life being on mission with Jesus. He became a missionary and a church planter. And I want you to see something that the Apostle Paul said near the end of his life in the book of Acts chapter 20. I invite you to turn there with me. The book of Acts chapter 20 and verse 24, here's what Paul said to a group of people on one occasion. He said, I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself. Wow, listen to that again. He said, I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself. Why? So that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of God's grace. He said, the only way I can fulfill God's call on my life is to not hold my life as dear, but instead to hold Jesus as precious and what he's doing in my life as more important than any personal desire I might ever have. Now, I want, I want us to, to, to really look at this passage, this verse, and, and the ones that come before it and after it. But to help you really understand what Paul is saying here, I need to give you the, the story behind this verse. After Paul 
after Paul had that dramatic conversion and became a follower of Jesus and, and was changed by Jesus and became a preacher and, and, and then went on mission with Jesus, God's plan for Paul's life was he became a great missionary and church planter. And over about a 10-year period, Paul went on what we call three missionary journeys, primarily planting churches on the island of Cyprus and the, the nation that today we would refer to as Turkey uh, over across that body of water into Macedonia and then down into what we would think of as modern Greece. That's where he would spend those 10 years on three different journeys, planting church after church, mentoring, mentoring other preachers and other missionaries, writing letters that are now part of our New Testament. And one of the places that Paul stopped and planted a church was a city in, in the, the western part of modern Turkey, a city known as Ephesus. It was a very prominent and important city in biblical days. And, and on near the end of Paul's second missionary journey, as he was making his way back home, he stopped in Ephesus just for a few days and said, if God allows, I'll come back here. On his third missionary journey, he spent most of that trip that time in the city of Ephesus, somewhere around two and a half upwards of three years in Ephesus, planting churches and training missionaries and, and sending people out to plant churches in the, in, the, in, in the region. So nearly three years, and he loved those people, and they loved him. In fact, the book of Ephesians in your New Testament is a letter he wrote to them later. We'll talk about that next Sunday. But after spending nearly three years in Ephesus and building up that church, Paul, before returning home to Jerusalem, wanted to go over to Macedonia and Greece and just briefly visit, revisit, if you will, those churches he had planted on his second missionary journey. And he did that. And after some months had passed, on his way to Jerusalem, he stopped at the port town located near Ephesus, and he sent for the church leaders, for the elders, the pastors, and had them uh, meet him. And so they, they come to see him. And in Acts chapter 20, where we read that verse a moment ago, starting at verse 17 to the end of the chapter, is the record of Paul's meeting with these Ephesian church leaders and their conversation, the things he said to them and the things they said to him. Now, I want us to dive into it a little bit because this is going to be the last time Paul will ever see them face to face, and he knows it. In Acts chapter 20, starting at verse 22, here's what the Bible tells us about that conversation. Paul is speaking to these church leaders that he loves with all of his heart, and he says, And now... Behold, bound in the Spirit, I am on my way to Jerusalem. And when he says bound in the Spirit, it's the picture of someone who is, who is wrapped in chains, tied up with chains and being pulled somewhere. He says it's like the Holy Spirit of God has grabbed hold of me and he is pulling me to Jerusalem. And then he continues in verse 22, not knowing what will happen to me there. I don't know what, what will take place when I arrive in verse 23, except, he said, I've got a clue, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city. Everywhere I stop, God sends people to me, the Holy Spirit does, sends people to me to tell me what's going to happen when I get there in every city saying that bonds and afflictions await me. So God is letting me know that even though I don't know all the specifics and all the details, that when I arrive in Jerusalem, what, what, what's waiting for me there are bonds. I'm going to be arrested and afflictions. I'm going to suffer. And then that verse we read a moment ago, verse 24, 
But in spite of all that, knowing that, knowing that when I get to Jerusalem, God's telling me I will be arrested and I will suffer. There will be afflictions. He said, I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus. He said, even the idea, even the knowledge that in Jerusalem I will be in bonds, I will be in jail, I will suffer affliction, that is not going to stop me prevent me from following Jesus and doing what he's leading me to do, what he's calling me to do, what he's commissioned me to do, to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. Nothing, he says, is going to stop me from talking about Jesus and his grace, Jesus and his love. Wow. And then he continues in verse 25. And now behold, I know that all of you, all of you Ephesian leaders that I have loved and spent those three years with, among whom I went about preaching the kingdom, will no longer see my face. This is the last time we're ever going to see each other. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. What does he mean by that? I'm innocent of the blood of all men. He explains it in verse 27. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. And in other verses in this conversation, he made it very clear that his whole time there, he shared the gospel. He talked to lost people. He did evangelism. He planted new churches. And he said, no man, no man in that area who dies and goes to hell, his blood will not be on my hand because I did everything I could to obey the commission of Jesus and tell everybody I could in Ephesus and the surrounding region about Jesus. Therefore, I'm innocent of anyone's blood. I did what God called me to do. And then he tells them in the following verses to protect the church because there will be false teachers and false teaching. Protect the church from that. And then their meeting comes to an end down in verse 36 near the end of the chapter. Listen to this. It's very moving. And when he had said all these things, when Paul finished speaking to them, he knelt down and prayed. Now listen, they're on the beach. He's getting ready to get on the ship to sail to Jerusalem. And so he kneels down publicly on that beach, gets on his knees, and he prayed with them all. In verse 37, publicly, notice this, they began to weep aloud. And they embraced Paul, they hugged him, and they repeatedly kissed him. An ancient custom of greeting, kissing on the cheek. You get the sense of emotion, of heart, the depth of love, the sorrow. Verse 38, grieving. They were sad. Grieving, especially over the word which he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And then they accompanied him to the ship, and he sailed to Jerusalem, never to see them again, and them to never see him again. Now, what ultimately happened to Paul? We'll talk about that more next Sunday, but essentially he was arrested and would spend the next four years in prison. And the best we have from church tradition and church records is that he was probably executed by the Romans in the city of Rome. Now, while Paul is in prison, okay, while Paul is in prison, before he dies, he writes a letter to one of those young preachers. Remember I said when he was in Ephesus and other places he mentored preachers and missionaries? One of those young preachers he mentored was a young man named Timothy. And while he was in prison, shortly before he died, he wrote Timothy 
a letter. In our New Testament, it's the book of 2 Timothy. And in chapter 4, verses 6 and following, notice what he said while he's in jail for the gospel to this young man he had mentored in ministry, starting in chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, verse 6. Verse 6. Paul said, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. The drink offering was a picture from the Old Testament when Jews would go to bring sacrifices and worship of God. Most of us are familiar with the fact they would offer meat sacrifices, but they would also could bring grain offerings and drink offerings. And a drink offering was, was a cup of wine or a container of wine, and they would pour it out on the altar as an offering, as a sacrifice to God. And Paul is saying, my, my life is, is like that drink offering. It's like, like here's this cup. My body, my body is the shell, it's the cup, and the years that God's given me on this earth to serve him are the wine in that cup. And over the years, I am being poured out. Over the years, as I, as I live my life, as I live my life as a sacrifice for Jesus Christ, year after year, month after month, day after day, the wine of my years is being poured out on the altar of service and sacrifice to Jesus Christ. I'm already being poured out. And at this point in time, when he writes this letter, the cup is nearly empty. That's why at the end of verse 6, he says, and the time of my departure has come, referring to death. It's a picture of a ship that is anchored to a dock. And then it Let's loose and begins to move out into the water and out into the ocean or the sea, if you will. And you can stand there on the dock and watch. And as it departs, that's the word, it's a naval term, the departure. As it departs and moves into the water and out on the horizon, it, it grows smaller and smaller and smaller to your eyes, to your vision, until eventually it vanishes completely. But the ship is as real as ever and is as big as ever. It's just in a different location, moving to a different port. Paul said, that's what's happening to me. My life is being poured out, and the cup is nearly empty. There's not many days or years left. It's all being poured out in service to Jesus. And I'm moving away from this harbor. I'm moving away from earth. I'm moving away from this life, and I'm making my way to the port of heaven. And, and, and you won't see, see me anymore. But I'm still alive and I'm still real. It's just in a different place. He said, that's what's happening to me. And then looking back over his life, reflecting on his journey in verse 7, he said, for I have fought the good fight and I have finished the course. I've finished what God said in front of me and I have kept the faith. I never shrunk back. I never gave up. I never quit. And verse 8, and he said, in the future, referred to when he arrives at that other port. He said, in the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, as Jesus, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me, will give me on that day. And then he says, not to me only, not to me only, but to all who have loved his appearing. Paul turns to his audience. He turns to Timothy and he turns to you and me. And he says, the same thing can be true of you. That God wants to give you a crown of righteousness. That God wants to welcome you in his heavenly home. There's an award waiting for you if you love him and follow him and are his disciple. And so here's this Apostle Paul who said, I'm going to pour out my life serving Jesus. I'm going to pour out my life in ministry and obedience and sacrifice 
to him. This same Paul in the book of Romans chapter 12 said that, that we are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, as a living sacrifice. It's, it's the same thing he meant when he said he's being poured out as a drink offering. See, Paul illustrates what Jesus meant when he said, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to come after me, if you're going to be my disciple, take up your cross every day and deny yourself. And if you're not willing, Jesus said, to take up your cross, you're not worthy of me. Jesus said, if you're going to be my disciple, seek my kingdom first. Seek my kingdom first. And this stands in stark contrast to so much that is part of our American influence brand of Christianity that has a, a me-centric spirituality to it, that focuses on comfort and convenience instead of sacrifice and service. You and I may never become the disciple the Apostle Paul was. But you know something? <laughs> we can move in that direction. We can, we can be more like him tomorrow than we are today. We, we can make a commitment to do what Jesus said, not to just have fire insurance and a ticket to heaven, not simply be saved and go to church and not have the attitude that it's, it's all about me and what I like and what I prefer and what makes me happy, but Jesus is about Jesus, it's about Jesus, it's about Jesus and his kingdom and his mission. A disciple follows Jesus, is changed and transformed by Jesus and is on mission with Jesus. Are you a disciple of Jesus or just an American spiritual religious person? Which are you? And which one do you want to be? All this month we're going to talk about what it means to be a disciple, follower of Jesus. And I want to encourage you today to get on your knees where you are and say, God, I surrender to you completely and fully. And I don't want my life to be about me. I want it to be about you. I know you'll bless me, but through whatever comes, whatever comes, I'm going to love you and serve you. Get on your knees and tell them that. And then text the word Jesus to the number on the screen and let us know you did it. God bless you. I'll see you next Sunday.